podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the 21st episode of the Pirate Rugby Pod. We now have over 400 YouTube subscribers and our next stop is 500. If you like what we do, please like, share and subscribe. Comments also give us a big boost and we always respond to everyone. If you're only here for Thistle Le Cat shorts, stick around. You might decide you like rugby too. A reminder that you can find us on Twitter and sign up for our free Substack. Links to both are in the comment section below. If you follow us, you'll get updates every time we drop a new piece of content, whether it be a podcast, video or long form article. But now to introduce our wonderful guest. He's taking time out of his busy schedule from treating patients and saving lives. It is Dr. Harley Worthy. How are you, Harley? I'm not that kind of doctor. What? PhD, not, I'm PhD, not MD. You've never said that before. It's in. It's even in the Twitter bio, mate. You just don't pay attention. <laughs> I talk about being in a lab constantly. I thought you. I, I can't be dealing with sick. I can't be dealing with sick people. Yeah, he's a fraud. It is great to still have a doctor on the pod, though, for the first time. So we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I would be surprised if Catherine's got a doctor that she just doesn't tell people about because she is a very. She speaks very well. I wouldn't be surprised if she's got a few literature doctorates hit stashed away somewhere, but she's not telling anybody about them. Anyway, straight into the moments of the week then. Uh, Ender, you can go first. Yeah, look, I picked a really simple one. I just, I am a bit maybe soccer-esque, but I'm really enjoying the rugby transfer market at the moment. Um, and just the whole story around, and we're going to get into it later, but the whole story about Snayman, Snayman going to Leinster is just you don't see this often I think it's just a massive coup by Leinster I really like the move um we'll get into the details and everything but it just basically sounds like this fella really wanted to stay in Ireland and Leinster I've given him that opportunity it sounds like it's only going to be a one-year deal now but I think it's a brilliant uh, bit of business by Leinster and I just hope he's fit next season and we get to see more of him um we're all big URC fans in this pod so I think it's great for the URC as well that he isn't going anywhere um so yeah just love that bit of news uh you just don't see that often in rugby like there were rumors about him going to bath and potentially going to japan going back to south africa and now he's ended up uh in leinster monster's biggest rivals like you can't you couldn't script this so yeah that's my moment of the week what about yourself uh my moment of the week was any moment watching the bordeaux versus bristol game Uh, for me I watched a few teams that try to play this kind of loose offloading, running everything game and they they can't. So watching a team that can play like that and Bordeaux are really, really dark horses. Like They've got some amazing players like Penno's there now. And obviously every time I watch Jalibert, I think. Like, how much is the gap between you and Intermac? Because it doesn't feel like much, if anything. And yeah, just watching those, watching them run those tries in. And then in a typical kind of, dare I say it, French way in the second half, they were, the game was kind of won and they just sort of started half-hearting it a bit and it fell off a little bit. But 26,000 people in the stands to watch it and um, someone um, was sending me pictures of like the, the pre-match and everything before um, I just came on air and it looked like it looks like a hell of a day out. So that was probably my moment. Harley, have you got a moment? Um, well, I've, I've got two. I've got one which is incredibly self-indulgent, or one which you know people would actually be able to relate to. So, so two, which one? I, which one I go for? Both. Why not both? Yeah. Um, so the self-indulgent one. So my moment of the week was actually getting on 
actually getting onto a rugby pitch myself for uh, Sidmouth seconds in a absolutely brutalising defeat. You'd think we were the Scarlets. And and me getting a 15 minutes outside Flanco, which I've not, you know, I, I typically play blindside. So being on, having all that extra space to running was not good for me, who is slower than a, than a few snails stapled together. Um, in terms of actual actual rugby played by people who know what they're doing, um, I, I, it's probably not the most glitching moment, going to be the most glitching moment in the young man's career. But in the Cardiff Bath game, Lucas Delarue making a break and then passes to absolutely nobody, <laughs> apart from apparently Andrew Ford, who was in the crowd and in direct line for that pass. Um, I see. He got it, a shout, it, I, I just, reckon. There must have been a shout or something, but outside, it just looks oh. so. But it looks so. So full confession, watching it live, I was slightly pissed after my, my rugby game in our Christmas and you know a few drinks with the with the boys at Christmas. And I honestly thought I'd imagined it. So I watched it the next morning and it, and I went, oh no, he's done that. That is objectively funny. <laughs> I mean, I said it's not going to be it's not going to be something that he's going to want to he's going to want to have seen on the review on Monday. But it's just I I like staff moments like that. And if you yeah. if I can laugh at Ben Young's doing it uh, four times across a hundred odd uh, international caps, I'm definitely gonna laugh when it's a young young player for my team. It was definitely a hundred times over four caps for Ben Young's. So I'm convinced. <laughs> right. So let let's talk about that big news that you you mentioned there, Ender. So uh, Snayman moving from Munster to Leinster, going from red to blue. Munster fans aren't happy. Can do, can you just sum up how this has happened and why Munster fans may feel more than a little robbed. It, it's kind of growing legs, this story. Like literally that, the piece on, because what I found very interesting about this story when I saw it after work was that I read the Leinster announcement and there was no mention of how long the contract was going to be, which I know Leinster do, especially when they're re-signing players, it's really frustrating. They don't announce how long the deal is going to be, unless it's an IRFU, generally, even unless it's a central contract or something like that. And um, so I thought that was very interesting. So basically what happened was, you know, Munster had a choice. Uh, they had to choose between John Klein and, and Orgy Snyman and they went and with John Klein. That's because Klein. Klein is switched because Klein was Irish qualified yeah. and now that he's picked by the Springboks, he's no longer. And because of your rules, that's a problem? Exactly. Yeah. So with the RFU, you can only have three NIQ, non-Irish qualified players in your squad and you can't have two in the same position. Um, so because he made that, so because Klein had made that switch, then they had to therefore make a decision and they've gone with, you know, somebody who's been there longer. And from what I read, is going to cost them an awful lot less as well. Allegedly, he's going to be on circa 300 grand or something like that. And um, Snyman is going to be, Snyman, I should say, is looking for a lot more. But like, I think anybody looking from the outside and, and I think most level-headed Munster fans will understand why Munster had to make that decision. Like, I'm sure they would have loved to have kept both players, um, but they, they they simply couldn't. Um, and I found it really interesting as well. This morning, I was listening to Bernard Jackman on the 42s uh, podcast, and he said that, like, there's even a, there's an unwritten rule there at the moment with the IRFU, and he doesn't think that they could actually start both Klein and Snyman in the same game. Like, that that's the type of oversight and control that that the IRFU has on the provinces. Um, so I don't think, like, it's, it's no surprise that he's left. I think the biggest surprise, obviously, is just that he's gone to two Munsters arch rivals, and he's gone up to Leinster 
And um, from what I read, you know, you can read the the statement that Leinster put out. But, you know, same was also um, interviewed. And he said, yeah, that the reason he's on this because he settled really well in Ireland uh, and he wanted to stay and he could not play on for a monster. Like he wasn't offered a contract, mm. um, according to Rory O'Connor. So and basically, if you can infer from what um, Klein said or sorry, what Simon said. So so that's why he's gone and he wants to stay in Ireland. And yeah, Leinster obviously got a nice checkbook and they've got Nina Bar and yeah they got those connections and you know I think it's a really good move for 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 him and and for Leinster like who wouldn't want him um on their books it's just yeah now now it's broken that it's it's only a one-year deal and that potentially some of his games are going to be restricted um because they want obviously the RFU wants Leinster to develop their own players especially Joe McCarthy who's having a really strong season who's definitely going to be at Ireland's Six Nations squad um, and apparently they're not going to give the green light to an extension beyond a year. Now, I don't know if this is true. This is what's been reported by Rory O'Connor and the Irish Independent. But just it's it seems like a really, really interesting um, story. And it just it just shows you the, the power that the IRFU have and, and, and this, you know, they influence almost every decision that the provinces make. Like they green light all NIQ signings. You know, they have to be mm. run by um, the IRFU. Um but yeah, it's 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 a really exciting move, I think, for him. Um, and that's just uh, for me. I just hope, like I'm, yeah, I'm a comic fan first, but I, I follow all the Irish provinces, which I always kind of mention on this pub. But I just hope for, yeah, for for his sake and for the URC's sake, that he just gets some game time. We get to see more of him because we know he's world class. Even when he he did play for Munster last year, he was phenomenal. So. Yeah, I don't know what what was your like. You guys are obviously big Welsh rugby fans. Like, what did you think? Like, what do you guys? Brilliant. Like I know Hugh, you touched on maybe the monster approach and how it might have pissed off some fans, and I'm sure it did. But that's how I view it from from outside monster. But how would you guys view it from from a, a Welsh rugby perspective? Go ahead, Harley. Um. So I mean, the the NIQ thing is quite similar to what we have in Wales for the PRB. I don't know what the exact number is for non Welsh qualified players in the regions. I think it's about four or five. Um. But don't, don't quote me on it. And again, that has to be essentially agreed by the um, the uh, was it professional rugby board. Uh, in terms of Munster, I feel like you know they they had to pick one, so they picked the one who's going to be there and is going to be playing because of um, Snayman's injury situation. And when they've got their full squad fit and firing, they've actually got some really good locks, young locks, particularly um, uh, Edwin Adogbo, um, so I think Tom Hearn and the other one whose name escapes me at the moment. So I, I, I just feel like I'm being glared by Patricia <coughs> and Caelan. But <laughs> it's, you know, they've got, they it's not as much of a loss, whereas I feel like Leinster need that big, you know, that, that lock is going to come in at the end of the season, smash and, you know, add that extra physicality because Leinster at the moment have a pack that will deal with most sides. But then the question is, is can they do it at the end when, you know, when it comes to competition times? And Snayman proved that if you can if you can get him fit for the end of the season, he will make that difference. So I think for people for people you know, who aren't assessing the subject, this is this is Harley slagging off James Ryan. By the way, that's what's happening here. I was I was not. I was merely saying suggesting that they have slightly different roles in the pack. <laughs> okay, okay. For for me, I I was a bit surprised because. I saw like one Leinster fan was tweeting like, yes, this is exactly what we need. And I was like, what have you not got? Like Leinster have literally got everything. 
Like what what else do you need adding Except to Except for the titles the last couple of years. That that's well, like yes, they are missing, exactly. you know. So um I can't believe why Ryan Bird Ryan Baird isn't more hyped than he is. I think he's incredible. A lot of people see him as a six rather than a lock, but to me he's very much a hybrid. So I don't know, maybe that shows how much I know. It it goes down Go on, mate, sorry. I said I think that's just how um particularly in the island camp they see him as a six. And in length, so, you know, they prefer they will throw him in on the bench as lock cover if needed, but their their main position for him is six. So okay. I think it's just one of those things. And again, you know, obviously with Snayman coming in, um Jason Jenkins who was supposed to be again this big this big physical bit of heft in the in the pack is gone. That's it. at least that's from talking to Leinster fans. Yeah, nothing confirmed, but yeah, that that sounds like that. Yeah, he'll be out and his name will be a, not a bad replacement, huh? But um, mm. yeah, oh, 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 how the other half live. Um, speaking of players potentially moving away from Munster, it sounds like Joey Carberry might be headed to France. So we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, saying with France's uh, money disparity between them and the rest growing, I think they LNR today announced um. 165 million euro profit or revenues um, revenue come revenue okay so it, and I, we said it'll be interesting to see if they can crack the irish market because we've obviously seen that that seems to be the hardest place to get players out of is ireland and now it sounds like joey carberry's on his way now he's lost his place as first choice months to 10 to uh jack crowley mm-hmm and it seems like he's had a bit of a tough time with injuries. It, he would, of course, be ruling himself out of Ireland contention. Do you think he's that the story of Joey Carberry in Ireland is a bit over now? Do you think it's just write it off to injuries have ruins that and he, it's time for him to go and choose a different path to make his money? I don't think so. Like He's still a young lad. He's still only in his 20s. We know he's a really talented player, but we all know he's got a really bad um, injury history. And that that's, I think, probably why he hasn't pushed on. He was brave enough to leave a Leinster camp that was very successful and, and push himself because he wanted to be a 10. He didn't want to be a fullback and Leinster were fans of playing him at fullback. Um, So I think, yeah, like he's still young, like and he, he still can make it. But but personally, like looking at it from my perspective, I think like if there is an offer on the table, Maybe he should go with it, um, you know, to, to make the most of his rugby playing career. I'm sure he'd probably be offered a lot more money over in France. And he is. Yeah, he's behind Crowley now. Like and Crowley's. But then again, like Crowley's going to be away at Ireland a lot now. So probably will get that game time with Munster once he's back fit. And he could really push himself. Um, I, I don't know. I think I feel like it's it's too early to, to, to write him off. He's still a young player. He's really talented. And but if, if he if he makes that that move i think we should we should back him as as rugby fans because he needs to make the most of his playing career and if he feels like that's the best opportunity for him he, he should go for it but i don't think he yeah i don't i think he's just he's just too young for me to be to be written off um i don't know what what you guys think if you've any opinion on whether or not he should stay or or go or what do you think what about you said if you were or, or Harley. Um, I think the thing is, I mean, it's, it's, it's well known in Ireland that you've got to be a particularly special player to not be playing in Leinster and to get into that that Ireland squad. Yeah, you know, they the 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 few um, non Leinster players 
uh, you know, they they bring something really big. You know, whether it's Peter Omani's work on the over the ball in his lineup in his leadership, or Mark Canton's X Factor Bundy's just sheer unrelenting physicality. You know, they have to bring something so much more and work that bit harder. So I think with Joey Carberry, if he stayed in Munster or moved to one of the other two provinces, he, you know, he's he's going to be struggling to get behind Crowley, who's already been sort of picked in. And then you're looking at um, either of the Byrne brothers or Kieran Frowley seems to be someone who they're interested in. And now you've got Sam Pendergast on the scene. I was going to you ask know, that, that last week. What happened to him? Because he seemed to be the next guy. <clears throat> he... You know the the murmurings that 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 he is, and he does seem like a really talented player. He was really good on a twenties level. There's just a lot of development uh, to go. I think like he's still quite like he's a tall guy, but he's he still needs to put on a bit of bulk there. That that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm listening to. Uh, but he's he's no doubt like the future of Leinster rugby. I think at ten, it's just he's still a really really young guy, and they're just going to give him that time. But he is getting a bit of exposure at the moment. But I think they're just they're not rushing things with him which I think is a, is a smart move, but there's no doubt that, that he's really talented. Um, but he's not he's not going anywhere. Right. Well, who knows in this transfer market? It's been so exciting. We'll speaking move on, of, will we? Speaking of the market, it's not just players that are getting bought, it's entire rugby clubs. So Cardiff have been taken over. Harley, is it by an Arab state, as is rumoured, or is it by just some nice people called Phil and John from Cardiff? downtown um yeah so i i i keep i keep i keep uh, making the joke so i made the joke on rap that you know it's not it's not this big evil investment banking company it's philip neil come on you can't you you can't you can't there's nothing nefarious behind two guys called phil and neil um so they're both they're both they're both welsh lads so they'll be involved with Cardiff rugby sort of you know sort of just been in and around the in around the club for well over a decade or so, the Neil's been around for thing. Um, there, I mean, for, for me, I think there's nothing to say that it there isn't a lot of oil money or shape money coming from this thing because they do see in business interests in the Middle East and across the world. I mean, it's probably going to be oil and pharmaceuticals because because the latter is where most of the money in the world is. It that's just sort of a fact, but I still think it's overwhelmingly positive. Mostly from what they said from the first statement, I still think it's far too early to say anything. But their their big priority seemed to be extending the lease for the Cardiff Farms part with Cardiff Athletic Club because despite what some people on Twitter say, Cardiff don't own their own ground; they they lease it. Uh, and then you know, and then but they've been having all arguments with the owners of the ground, Cardiff Athletic Club. Hence the reason why, as much as some people said Cardiff should drop the Cardiff, not the Blues moniker. This, these, these people who own the ground said, "We'll cap, rip up your lease, and you won't get another one, and you'll have to find somewhere yeah. else to play." That is a it's... very Welsh rugby <clears throat> thing to the people outside of Welsh rugby. That might sound really weird. That if Cardiff, for for whatever reason, stopped calling themselves Cardiff, the the landlords at the Elms Park would throw them out. It, yeah, it's it's a it's a very weird situation, and that is a completely amateur board as well. Uh, I've been told. So like during COVID, they didn't have a single meeting because they all refused to learn how to use Zoom. It's, <laughs> I, but with all the talk and all the whisperings that Cardiff Athletic Club seems to like these this group. Um, they want to get this long-term lease so we can get a redevelopment. Uh, Hugh recently visited the Arms Park. 
so you can only explain to you that rusty. It is in, it's homely, but in very much in very much in need of a revamp. And the big issue, the big one there are the priorities then is stabilising the pathways and making sure we're not training in a leisure centre. So that's good. If it happens. And are we so talking I, big money here in terms of like, could this be, is this like, how much money like are we talking? Like, is this just going to secure, as you said, the, the ground and maybe some academy facilities? Like, or could this mean retaining some really good talent and, and buying in some major hand? Or is this more just kind of steadying the ship because... The WRU kind of has more of a say, or what kind of investment are we talking about here? Do you know? And obviously, so it's early days. Well, in in the short term, it's more about getting all the. So the WRU have put a cap on player salaries, and that's going going down. They've set the scope maybe for one or two, and then if you want to go above that, then the PR the PRB, the Professional Rugby Board, have to agree it, which is usually a unanimous vote. So all four all four representative from all four regions plus a chair. I can imagine the other. I can't imagine the other three agreeing to to that sort of disparity if if they don't have to. So I think salaries and stuff are out. There may be some scope to keep one or two players. We might not have these marquee player signs, but the, their priority is make make the make the club sustainable or as sustainable as a rugby club can be. And they want to. And their supporters of the plans to open up like a business conference centre on the Arms Park site as well. So that's generating income, not really directly related to the rugby. So that and then the idea is then to make sure we're in a good place. So then when the WRU and the PRB say, OK, now we can start increasing this salary cap. We're in a position to do it stably and we're not going to end up as another Worcester or uh, which are, it's maybe, well, Worcester is a good one because that again was two people who said they were going to make the club more profitable and ran away with all the money. Uh, but the idea is, you know, try and keep the sustainability. As I said, don't really know the guys. It's still it's still early doors. In fact, this is all talk, talk yet because it hasn't been approved at the AGM, which is coming up next month. But so it's, mo- it's actually a nice positive news story for Welsh Rugby, which after this weekend we need. Yeah, definitely. Well, so it was zero wins out of four again for the Welsh this weekend, but it was a hell of a game in Cardiff. Um, attendances are really strong at the moment for you guys. And how did Finn Russell get man of the match in that game, Harley? Tell me. You've watched the game twice. Uh, I do think uh, this is the problem I've had with you know BT. What was BT now is TNT Sports. They clear they clearly go for narratives and people who they think they can have banter with and the flip in the uh play of the match interview. I know there are certain players who who openly say I don't want to do the press, so they won't pick them. Yes. But for me, I don't he wasn't the best back in Bath Battler. I thought Ollie Lawrence actually had an incredibly good game, which is something that pains both me and Hugh to say, with us both being less than complimentary of him in the past. But I mean for me I thought Alfie Barbary was unbelievable. Tom Dunn put a hell of a shift in. Yeah, you know, I thought there were plenty of people in Cardiff, even if we're on the losing side, were well, we're more than worthy of a man of the match performance. I actually thought Ray Lilo being part of that. I think Tina Stabir won the battle of that head to head overall. Better goal kicking success. His kicks out of hand were great. Where would you be Set without him? Could you think that the WIU tried to block you from signing him? If you didn't have him, what, what would you be doing? Like you or I would probably be playing fly, fly half a Cardiff. Well, it'd be I think it'd be Arwa Robson who's currently just about getting 
games for uh, Cardiff RFC, so our second 15, it's, or, you know, two literal children. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's quite worrying. Yeah, but it seems but yeah, like it's yeah, created yeah. A, a positive buzz around the club and now it looks like you're going to be sold out for Boxing Day, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I still don't get how people buy tickets for that game, but I don't know many Cardiff fans or Dragons fans who think that's ever a good game. Like it's possibly the most hateful game of rugby in, in the calendar. We all we all despise it. We know it's going to be a dirge. To which we all collectively on behalf of all Cardiff and Dragons fans, I apologize. Apologize if you decide to watch this game. I will be watching it. I'll be doing an instant reaction to it. Um let's move on to some other bits of action then. So Ender, there was a bit of noise over the weekend about the Stormers defeating La Rochelle. According to some people, this was an upset. Do you agree? I do not agree, as I hope you don't either. <laughs> and I hope all our listeners don't either. Yeah, yeah, it was just a bit... Yeah, it, I. you wonder if these... Like, I don't know if these people either just don't watch it or if it's just they they know they shouldn't do it and they want to piss off the uh the hipsters who follow the urc equals best league i don't know <laughs> i don't think so i think it just shows like like outside of yeah i think outside the urc i just i don't think a lot of people looking from the outside who aren't fans the urc there are plenty of them you know they they see any south african side going up against la rochelle and any sort of home win over like the idea of the stormers losing at home but they never lose in cape town and they're and they're the URC finalists. Like it was absolutely, it was a bizarre tweet. Um, was it the good, the bad, and the ruby? Yeah. Who said it? Yeah, em, that this employ, was some sort of upset of uh, James Haskell and a literal member of the royal family to do their uh, rugby podcast. So say no more. Yeah, it wasn't a big upset. Um, they are the URC finalists. They're a phenomenal side. Um, that we'll we'll leave it there. Yeah. Um, generally, though, on the subject of La Rochelle losing, predictably, with the exception of Toulouse, none of the um, French teams are doing particularly well. Like Harley, is this a bit of a shock um, that you know Racing are obviously zero from two, Toulon is zero from two. D- these guys have got the all the all the money, all the players, and they're performing in their own domestic league. I think that Racing and Toulon are one and two in the league. Uh, Stad as well, um, zero from two. They should be doing better, shouldn't they? When, when you, when you, when, and I hate going on about budgets all the time, but when you look at it, it, they should be. But then you grow a set that I'm not sure French really give a shit about Europe, other than probably La Rochelle and Toulouse, which is probably why it's probably hurting for La Rochelle fans that they are that they haven't uh, won anything yet. You know, even losing, especially losing the Leinster on the own patch, I imagine would have hurt, hurt their fans quite quite a bit. Um, it's really odd, particularly Racing 92, because it seems to be no matter how big a name they get in or how good a coach they sign, it doesn't seem to click. And it, no matter how promising it is, it all fails, it all falls away ultimately when you when you um get into the business end of things. Yeah, I I am surprised it's not a bit bold, but I mean, then you've got teams like Bordeaux, who I think. Have, quite good you know more than more than easily handled um although Leon beat the Bulls again at home so it's not 
yeah, that those are the games they tend to go. But it's still a win. Yeah. At the end of the day. And it doesn't help that this is a sort of league where you can get in on a win and a couple of bonus points and you're through to the round of 16 and then it's not that rugby and anything can happen. So I, I am surprised they're not doing better, but at the same but similarly, I'm surprised some of the URC teams weren't doing weren't doing better than they did last week. Yeah, speaking of Ender, justify the uh, massive monster underperformance so far. Yeah, it's a bit of a team. Uh, Keen Tracy, the Irish dependent, a really good, interesting piece on it today. Like they're this is their fourth game in the last six games where they've they've really struggled. Um, and yeah, it's it's really tough for them to take. Now, obviously, it was a controversial decision, I think, to award that try. But yeah, there, there's something like they, they've. I think like the what you have to admire really well from my perspective anyway is is Exeter like the amount of talent that that club let go just so that they could balance the books or or just and rely on youth back their youth like they had lads on the weekend playing who are still in the university I, I think that that's to be admired especially a club who's come up um so it's really hard to even as an Irish rugby fan to kind of yeah to to not respect that almost uh, how well they, they've been doing um but yeah, for for Munster, I I don't know. Like, it, it's a bad result, but the Bayon result is worse for me. Like, drawing at home and scoring what three points in that second half against Bayon was just that was unforgivable, and that that's why they're in. I think this situation how like they're they're like they're going to struggle now to to get through. I think they still probably will scrape through because it's Munster and backs up against the wall. What better club to do it? But I think for me that their their biggest hiccup so far has just been that that draw against Bayon. Um, like for patches, uh, for most of the game, sorry, I think on Saturday against Exeter, uh, or was it Sunday? It was Sunday. Um, was it Sunday? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They played really well. And I thought Jack Crowley was absolutely phenomenal. Like again, he probably cemented his starting spot for Ireland now with Six Nations around the corner. Um, but they just switched off. And yeah, they are where they are now and backs up against the wall. Um. But for me, yeah, their the biggest hiccup of the season so far has been that that, that home row against Bayon. Yeah. Um, did you catch the game, either you guys? I didn't catch much of it. I've got a kind of a duality thing going with Exeter because whenever they lose, I go, ha, English team losing. But whenever they win, I'm like, that's that Welsh talent that they've got in their squad bringing them through. So I've got, I kind of get to have it both ways. Harley, there's a lot of hype in Wales about some of the talent that they've got down in Exeter. Particularly Daft Jenkins seems to be a real one like captaining the team at 21 years old and he's dragging into some results and Henry Slade to be fair um I mean the thing is with Daft Jenkins I don't think you can call it hype because I think he's shown that even at international stage he looks really comfortable when he's playing for Wales and he looks massive and he just looks like he's putting on weight without losing anything and he's shown up as a leader he's reasonable enough line-out caller um I, I, I highly rated him when he first sort of they sort of first brought him through um, last you know last season he was captain in the side of twenty you know he'd only just come out of under twenties and they were, and um, Rob Bax was starting in games you know it was you know it was think of the Premiership Cup and you know away games where they went well we don't really need to focus on this one because we're going to target Europe the next week but they showed the faith and he does lead very well and he. Does seem to be a bit of a jack of all trades lock. He seems to be, have the physicality you want from your tight headlock. He's a decent enough line out jumper. 
he calls the line outs. His his work at attacking rucks is really good, and his carrying's probably not the most. You know, it's probably not the best, but it's still serviceable enough if you've got primary uh, the primary carriers. I think he's really good. I think the one who the one name that keeps coming up, and a lot of articles are written about how he should be floating straight into the world squad. That um, is Emmanuel Feiwaboso, who, when he's played for Exeter, yeah, he's been really good. But he's also gone off before twenty minute mark in three games. And then had an injury. So he's, you know, clearly they, they're using him as a physical winger before he's developed enough to be able to take that sort of punishment. I think it's something that people maybe need to just take a step back and just calm down. We don't need more wingers in Wales. We've got too many anyway. We've got three, doesn't, doesn't go into two with Adams, Sammy, and uh, Dyer. To be honest, um, you know, if there's some winger in England somewhere pulling up trees, I'm kind of like that. Can he play tight head prop? You know, that's what I want to know because we need some more of well, them. I mean, maybe what... number eight, maybe. Can he play number eight? Got the physicality. I mean, one player who is unavailable to us, who has been shown up well. I was actually surprised he's making the team as regular as he was. I thought they were because because they like to have um, Slade as a second playmaker at thirteen. I thought they'd be going for more of a standard Bosch up twelve, where they have them other seasons. But Joe Hawkins has been playing really well. Seems really physical, and you know when he needs to kick or pass, he he does it really well. So yeah, the, I think some of the Welsh talents absolutely fantastic there. Unfortunate mm. Shunza basically had one game back and broke his foot. But, I mean, backs would only try and play him at open side anyway. Yeah, yeah, weird situation they got with flankers down there. Let's talk about more Welsh sides then as we transition to talk about the Challenge Cup. Not much to talk about. Dragons got a really good result away. Well, they didn't win, but it was a decent performance away in Poe, only losing by three points. Poe are undefeated at home this season, so no disrespect in that. Osprey's got absolutely battered by Montpellier, and it was Montpellier's first home win since August. That is a bit embarrassing. Now, the Ospreys did have a lot of the under-20s team out, but they still had a lot of Welsh first choices in the team. So, anyway, I won't be going too hard, because I'm in the glassest of glass houses to be throwing stones in, which is the Scarlets. Um, and, you know, I did the Scarlet's pod yesterday. You could go on and on and on about it. Uh, there's a feeling within Scarlet's fans at the moment that what's going on on the pitch is a reflection of what's going on off the pitch. And there's problems higher up in in the club. And there's culture issues. The fan group, Crease 16, came out and issued a, a, an open letter in the last couple of days to express all the things that they think are going wrong with the club and you know that let's make it about black line though you know a historic victory for them they are not um like in the old days of the challenge cup when we used to have romanian and russian teams in there that were a good step below black line and not that they were competitive against gloucester and they've now beat the scarlets i think in their next home game it'll be interesting to see if they can get a result as well so yeah big up black lion and then uh Ender, a darling team of the Pirate Rugby podcast, the Cheaters, upset of all upsets, beating the Springbok-laden Sharks at the weekend. Brilliant to see, wasn't it? In front of 7,000 fans. Like, I remember when they were in the Pro 14, I don't think they were able to even draw those type of crowds. So I thought that was a really nice element um, to their team. 
Pinar, I think he's what thirty nine. I think I think I heard comments that he's turning forty soon. Yeah. Um, steering the ship, still slotting kicks. Um, what a what a brilliant result! Like it's such a it's such a nice story. I think um a club that's kind of just been left in the lurch, like they were basically replacing the you know or whatever you want to call it now, Celtic League. We're no longer Celtic League, but yeah, like it's 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 nice to see a club like they're still turning out really good players. Like and I watched that game back. And by the sounds of it, a lot of these players are, are homegrown. And I think there was even a comment about a lot, a lot, how a lot of those Sharks players would have visited their families. Like a lot of them are, yeah. are from Bloemfontein. And, uh, they were coming back to play. Like it was just it, just a brilliant result. I think it's really good for the Challenge Cup. Like it was a game that I kind of flagged that, that would be interesting, especially on the numbers side. Like it was great to see how that game only happened because of the European Cup. Yes, it is. Like, yeah. It's a happy accident, but it's bizarre. And I think it's their only home game of that campaign. Like I believe their home games are going to be in Italy again this year. So it was great that they got to play in front of their their fans. Um, but just, yeah, for me, it just shows you that the talent that's still there. Like I watched this game back and it, it's not as if the Sharks were really poor. They were really good in spells, especially that second half. Now it was almost like super touch at times. And like, <laughs> Defense was definitely questionable. Tackles were definitely questionable as well. Um, but you have to say that the genius deserved. And I think it's just, yeah, it's just a lovely look. I think for the comp, and it just kind of leaves that question. And it's something that we discussed the previous pod. Like, what happens to like they need a they need a competition to be in. I think that is sustainable. Like the Curry Cup grants, but like they they obviously they're more ambitious than that. No disrespect to the Curry Cup, but they they probably want to be playing in these type of games. And I think it was just a lovely reminder of, of what they're about. And they, they, they're they still, yeah, they're just still producing really good players. And, it, and, it, and it's great to see. Yeah, absolutely. So last bit on the European action then. So it was a double win for the Italian teams. Uh, Benetton beating Perpignan and uh, Zebra beating Oyana away from home. Ali, you've, your team Cardiff has played both of these teams already this season not beaten either it's really starts to feel like it's clicking for these italian clubs now and to see them getting european results that there's going to be some people noticing these guys apart from us nerds at some point um yeah absolutely i mean if, if you look at the quality of some of the names on there obviously like benison's stack full of italian internationals and actually they were the, when cardiff when cardiff when they did come to play cardiff for the first round of the urc you know cardiff were comfortably beating them until these Italian internationals came on and and that lad did that thing made, to that bloke. I mean let's let's I mean I'll be honest, I think even if that hadn't happened, they would have still won the game. I honestly think they would have scored they would have scored off that even if that soft even if that absolutely moronic red card hadn't been awarded. The the acts being moronic, not the not yeah. the award and the red card that was fair. But and then Zebra, you've got some fantastic players in there. Um, you know, Jacob Umanga, who, who you know, he's, I mean, he's playing the bench, but um, um, but you know, you've got people like Jacob Umanga was being pegged as a potential rival to Marcus Smith in England ten shirts a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. yeah, they signed people as it Jake Pledry now at Zebra. You know, that you can see they're putting the money in to develop these squads, and I think Benetton's on a budget that rivals the likes of Connor, Glasgow, and Edinburgh. You know, so they've. So they can afford to put these. I know it's yes, but 
they've put the money in, but they put it in the right way. They started developing their own talent. So they sorted out their development stream and making sure they've got good coaches in place. And there's a pathway there. And then now, now they've got that stable. They're saying, right, what do we need? Do we need do we need to bring in a Thomas Albanos as a as a ten? Um, do we need to bring in um, Rhino Smith as sort of as fullback sort of ten cover who who can sort of who's got all that experience from his time playing in South Africa to help help them win these last minute games, get clutch kicks. Zebra was starting to see see it. I mean, I might joke about um, them them playing with forty men and a bloke called Tiff most weeks, but they're a really good you know they're a really good side and. For the last couple of years, they've been running teams a lot very close, and it was only a matter of time before they were going to start turning teams over. You know, Leinster, I think, last couple of times they've gone in there, you know, they've had to throw in the emergency internationals just just to get a result. I think they were unlucky not to beat Ulster this, you know, in the first round. You know, I said they're serious teams, and you know, when you've got when they're playing against teams who aren't necessarily going to take it seriously, they're going to get that confidence. You know, a win's a win, so they're going to get more confident as as these as these wins stack up. And I think yeah, a lot more teams have got to take them more seriously. Yeah, and the best thing about Benetton as well, and we we've touched on this before, is that they're getting really good crowds this year, which I think is really important. So it's not just that they're spending money on on players and there's nobody showing up showing up for these games. Like the the crowds are showing up for regular URC games, and that's that's what I think is really positive. Yeah, definitely. Okay, right. Oh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely worth a trip over. I know a lot of Scarlet's fans like to uh, make the trip, and why not? All right, uh, next, we're going to take a break from normal proceedings, and because it's our last show before we have a bit of a break for Christmas, we're going to play a Christmas game. Are you excited? I can tell they're excited by their faces. <laughs> so I'm this is so excited. I've, this is something that I've come up with, um, and I'm going to be Quizmaster, and these two are going to be playing. So I've got to share my screen, which means I can't see your excited faces once I do that. So say when you can see. Yep. Yep. Okay. This is rugby higher or lower. So one of the reasons I wanted to get Harley on this show is because I know that he's got his spreadsheet full of all player heights and weights like me because we're creepy like that. Um, In my my defense, it's only Welsh squad members. Okay. Right. So there's not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's not that many Welsh. You've got Prodi Dub players in there, I'd say. Here, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Well, I, not in this one, but I do have Tom Francis's stats in another spreadsheet, and he is technically a Prodi Dub player. So, yes, I have Prodi Dub players' stats. Anyway, um, so it's a game of higher or lower. So it is split into three rounds, and the first round is based on player height. So, underneath each of these Christmas trees, um, is a player and all you have to do is say which what I'm going to show you the first one and then you have to say whether the next one is higher or lower I'm going to show you who the next one is and then I have their height underneath a little card and then you have to say whether you think that player is higher or lower than the one that preceded them if you get it wrong the uh, opportunity passes to your opponents to guess it can be higher lower all the same there are some of the sames in here so I will give you that much so it's height first. Are you ready? Who wants to go first? Arlie's up. He's our guest. Arlie's up. Okay. So whoever gets the last one right is the winner. So it's not who gets the most. It's who gets to the end one first is the winner. 
Right. So the first player is Willy Antonio, the France, the French tight head prop. And he is 197 centimeters tall. OK, so that's our starting player. The next player is uh, the Argentinian, Argentinian captain Matera, Pablo Matera. So, Harley, is Matera taller or shorter than Antonio? I'm pretty sure he's shorter. That's what I'd say. You don't get to con- 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 confer, and <laughs> you're competing against Harley here. Okay, so Harley, are you, you going shorter? I, I'm, go- I'm going shorter. He is shorter, 193 centimeters. Congratulations. So next one. Do I get any points for? No, for no, you don't get any points. <laughs> it's a, it's not a point system. It's whoever gets to the end first, <laughs> right? Under the next Christmas tree is Adi Surveyor. Is Adi Surveyor taller or shorter than Pablo Matera? Harley. I'm just trying to think of it. Argentina, uh, all black skins. Oh, I'm going to be. I, I don't think you'd pull one out so soon, but I'd say they're about the same height. Is that where you're going? Yeah, I'll go about the same. As long as I, as long as I get to, get to pick the last one, it doesn't really matter. Let's see if you're right. He's not. He's shorter. So it now passes over to Ender. Ender, your next player is Bundiaki. Oh, you got lucky here. It's your own Karnak's man. Is Bundiaki taller or shorter than Ardi Surveyor? Shorter. Shorter. Locking in? Yeah. Locking in. Adi Bundiaki is shorter by a whole 10 centimetres than Adi Surveyor. Adi Surveyor is 190. Bundiaki is 180. This is all according to rugby. Uh, all rugby is where I get all this from. So if you if you disagree with my heights, argue with them, not me. So it sticks with you then, Ender. Next player, Wales captain Jack Morgan. Is he taller the same or shorter than Bundiaki? Taller. Taller? Are you going taller? Going taller. It's the same. They're yes. both 180 centimeters. Unlucky. So it goes back to Harley again. So Harley, your player, Thomas Ramos, the French fullback, slash to lose number ten. Is he taller or shorter than Jack Morgan, Wales captain Jack Morgan? I'd say I instinct would go shorter because he's. I, I, I think, yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think. I think he might be tall for a fullback. Fly half, but I don't think he's tall for a player. Okay, I, I sit with short. He is shorter. Ooh. Congratulations. He's two centimeters shorter than, shorter than Jack Morgan. Next player, Ben Earl, seen here celebrating a reset scrum or something, I assume. I don't know. That's so, only one thumb up, so I think that's his own team's knocked on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to okay. say taller. Because I think he is quite like I think he is quite I think he is quite long. Oh, let's see. He is taller, 186 centimeters, a whole eight centimeters taller than Thomas Ramos. Next up, Malcolm Marks. Oof. Malcolm Marks, oh, this, the this South is... African hooker. Is he taller this, or shorter than Benno? This this is quite a difficult. One. Um, I'm going to say this shorter it's gone shorter let's find out i know he's quite a tall hooker so he is taller he's 189 centimeters malcolm marks is the tallest hooker in world rugby as as far as i can tell and he is three centimeters taller than ben earl 
So Ender, it's over to you. There's only two cards left. It's getting exciting now. So the next player. It's been exciting from the from the beginning here. <laughs> <laughs> Semi Randranger. Is he taller or shorter than Malcolm Marks? Oh wow. Um taller. It's gone taller. He's not. He's definitely shorter. He's shorter by one centimeter. <laughs> 189 to 188. I don't have a tiebreaker. I don't know what happens if Harley, you get this one wrong. Uh, I guess just default surrender. I guess. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. Sudden death. I'm. I'm. I'm all about it. So Harley, it's all on you then. Your player is Marky Mark Nawanui Tawase. Is well he done. taller or sh- or shorter than Semi Randranger? Oh, I can't remember, uh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, because he is quite a long boy, isn't he? Um, oh, um, I'll, risk it. I'll, I'll say he's taller. He's gone taller. And uh, if he's got this wrong, you're the winner of this round. He is taller by two centimetres. So congratulations. That's the height round. How, how do you feel about your victory? Um, I, 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 you know, I feel like you know, I've got that last minute, that last minute penalty at the death to uh, to beat to beat beat your closest rivals. Oh, it's a good game, good game. Right, on to the weight round now. So again, ten players. Harley, you won the last round, so you get to start this round as well. So the first player that we are talking about is. Wales hooker Ryan Elias. Ryan Elias is 110 kilograms. So this is weight now, so we're in kilograms. So the next player under the Christmas tree is Wokey, Cameron Wokey of France. Is he heavier or lighter than Ryan Elias? I'd go heavier. Based on fact, boys tend to be slightly heavier. Let's find out. He's lighter. So it goes straight over to Ender then. So Ender, your next player under the next Christmas tree is uh, Arnold from the Wallabies, the second row. Is he heavier or lighter than Cameron Wokey? Heavier. It's got to be. He's a lot heavier. He's 127 He's a big boy. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. He's a full... What is that? 17 kilograms heavier than Wokey, and Wokey is a back rower, um, second rower hybrid. Incredible scenes. Right, next player. Eben Etzebeth. Is Eben Etzebeth heavier or lighter than Arnold? Heavier. I'm going heavier. Mm-hmm. He's lighter by one kilogram. Uh-oh. I should add that, you know, these weight stats, that when it gets to like yeah, one when kilogram. <laughs> It's like, has he had breakfast yet or not? If not, then it might be a bit different. But that's that's just how the game goes. Right. So, Harley, back to you. The yeah. last play was even at Sabeth. We are now on Uncle Gadze of Georgia. Is he heavier or lighter than Etzebeth? I'd say marginally lighter. Marginally lighter. Let's find out. He's a lot lighter. He's 100 oh. Uh, 10 kilograms so 16 kilograms lighter but you get the point anyway you don't have to be completely right just partially right is fine next player Fijian captain one of our favorites here on the pirate rugby Wasaya Naithalevu 
Is he heavier or lighter than Golgadze? I can't imagine being heavier than a back row. I know uh, I know Fijians are quite stocky lads. I, 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 I'm going to go with the same just because we haven't had the same weight yet. You're going the same? Let's find out. A bit of game theory from, from Harley there. Interesting. You should have trusted your instincts. He's lighter and by a lot. He's 15 yeah. kilograms lighter, 95 kilograms. He's almost five kilos lighter than me. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Right, and uh, over to you. Next player. This is Corabetti of the Wallabies. Is he heavier or lighter than Wasir Nayathalebu? He is heavier. You're going heavier? Yes. He's lighter. Oh, what? He is two kilograms lighter, according to... I said that with so much confidence as well. <laughs> is he part helium? I think he's quite short. I think he's deceptively uh, short, is what it is. It's a but disaster. He, it's a, it's a it's a shock result. It's a shock result. Next player for you, Harley. Freddie Stewart. Is he heavier or lighter than Corabetti? He's a long boy. Heavier, surely. Heavier, surely. He's like 6'5". He is heavier. He's eight kilograms heavier. Next player. Rico Ioani of the All Blacks. What are you saying, Harley? Heavier or lighter? I'd lighter. He is... Heavier no by two kilograms. Right, Enza, it's your chance to win it. Next player, Sia Khaleesi. Save the best till last. Is he heavier or lighter than Rico Ioani? Heavier, but not by much. Heavier, but not by much. Let's find out. Oh, he's nailed it! Ooh. One kilogram, one kilogram. So this is both after they've had their their Weetabix. Um, Sia Khaleesi is one kilogram heavier than Rico Yarni at 104 kgs. Right, it's one round each, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> as we go into the tie break. So what I have <laughs> here is five international rugby teams. This is the last round. I've got France. I've got the Wallabies. I've got Ireland. I've got Georgia and I've got Argentina. What I want you two to do, working independently, is rank these in terms of pack size. So the forward pack, I want you to rank them in terms of pack size. Size is weight and height. So I would like, I'll tell you how we'll do this. I want you to both tell me which team you think is the biggest France for me and is going France what, what going? It, depends on, it depends on how you've picked the pack and what team you selected okay so this is going I'd hard. say what I would have called the first choice Wallabies pack you're looking at Skelton and Richie Arnold in the second okay. row and that that's a fair question that's a fair fight. question and what I'll, I'll tell you what I've done. This is the team that they fielded in the first game of the 2023 World Cup. So pool game one, each of these nations, they all fielded um, full strength teams. I can tell you that. I, um, sorry, I'd like you to tell me which I nation has the heaviest pack or biggest pack, I should say. I'm basically going boiling it down to the, top, the second row. I'm going to suggest maybe the Wallabies. 
Interesting. Ender, you got a, got any thoughts on that? I think he's right. Skeleton is a big boy, so I'm against Leinster. He is, yeah. And Arnold, as we just oh, saw I'm, above. Um, yeah, Wallabies. You've both gone Wallabies. Let's find out. It is correct. You might be able to see the text there. Ooh, wrong one. Make it a bit easier to see. The excitement levels are now off the charts for our Australia listeners who can't see our excitement. Australia are the biggest pack of these ones, so that's one down. Down. There. I feel I feel sorry for all the all the viewers who are red, green, colour blind. <laughs> it's Christmas colours. It's too late now. <laughs> so, um, next heaviest pack out of these four between France, Ireland, Georgia, and Los Pumas. Who is the second heaviest pack? France for me. Yeah. This is getting really boring because I think I, I think I agree with you because for me it was Amelie Orange between France and Josh. Yeah. Who's that back row? I said I think the big one for France is having been Antonio. But... Interesting. That's exactly what I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I stick with France. Although I feel like without Paul Vernon, so in the France pack that does reduce the size a bit. It's right. France is the second heaviest pack. Well done. You're two from two, both of you. Uh, is that kilograms on the left-hand column and metres on the right? Or the other way around? Uh, or centimetres on, on the remember. right? No, yeah. So, yeah, it's height on the on the right, ki- uh, kilograms okay. on the left. So they're the same height. Got the same height. Yeah. Same height, but Australia nearly 50 kgs heavier across the eight-man pack. I think that's just Skelton. I can tell you that, well, Skelton is the tallest and heaviest lock at the World Cup, and Australia are by far the heaviest pack at the World Cup. So that's why I picked them. Right, so you're down to only three choices now. Ireland, Georgia, and Los Pumas. Who is the heaviest out of those three? I feel like Ireland are deceptively heavy, but maybe not necessarily tall. Um, Los Pumas have got some big boys because, you know, they tend to go with a, a sort of lock hybrids, um, well, sevens in their case. I feel like Georgia aren't necessarily the tallest, but are quite, quite, quite bulky. Yeah. Oh, so I'm, I'm tempted to go. Who would have been that second row? Would it would be Ben Ryan. I'm going to have to hurry you now, Harley. Uh, I'm going to go with Lost Pumas. Gone Lost Same. Pumas. I'm sorry, it's really boring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, guys. <laughs> right. Let's find out. And we're going to be right. Argentina is correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's all down to this last one. So just be good sports and don't pick the same. So between Ireland I... and Georgia, who has the biggest pack? I think Georgia. Boom, straight in. I'm gonna pick, I was I was gonna pick Ireland, so that, that that actually works. So let's get this just get it clear. Ender, you've picked Georgia. Harley, you've picked Ireland. Yeah. Okay, and just to be clear, whoever wins the whoever gets this question right has won not only this round but the entire game. Oh and wow. will be the Pirate Rugby Christmas champions. Ender Georgia, Harley Island. Let's find out who is heavier. Georgia are heavier. 
Ender has won it. Harley, the guest, is in the mud. I'm not going to sleep a wink tonight. I'm just <laughs> full of joy right now. See, I, so I was so thinking excited. of heights as well. That's that's a problem. You franked it by weight. I have gone by weight, yes. Yeah, I was thinking height as well. Oh, there you have it. Oh, well. Right, that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, it was. Oh, I can see. I couldn't see your faces during that. I could see Ender's catching his breath. It's like that. <laughs> we'll move on, will we? <laughs> we'll move on. Right. Let's wrap up some of the other um, club stuff going on. Right. I'll I'll get the Japan stuff out of the way first. So I'm not going to do all of the games and all of the faces and all of the people this time. I'm just going to say that Son Goliath. Bit of news. There was a. A story went around that they'd cancelled Gareth Anscombe's contract on him being injured. That is untrue. They have cancelled his registration for the league, but they can re-register him later. So he is still employed by Sun Goliath. But he is currently in Wales recovering from his injury. So that's that. Um, Wild Knights, who have the fly half of Matsuda, who was a favourite of us during the World Cup, Japan's international fly half, played... um, Oh, no, sorry. So Wild Knights are top and Brave Lupu brave lupus whose fly half is richie mwanga are joint top as well uh, there are four teams on two wins from two honda heat unfortunately are bottom having conceded 155 points in two games uh, and also there was... yeah all right thank you dragons got more points put on them in south africa than we did that's all i'm saying uh, Damien Dialende also made the rounds for kicking a single conversion in the game for some reason. Nobody knows why. It wasn't even the last conversion of the match. He just did one. Cool. Um, what about Pro Dead Der Ender? Any news there? Breathe beat Vaughn uh, with an added uh, time penalty from... Yeah, so last minute penalty from Stuart Olding and Provence beat Biarritz. And Sturkey scored two more tries for Bezier as they beat Roman. What is going on in Premiership Women's Rugby? Uh, Saracens are on maximum points after they put Tigers to Sword, who sit bottom of the table. Gloucester sit fourth, but with two games in hand. What's going on in the Championship, Hugh? Uh, Ealing versus Cornish Pirates was unfortunately abandoned after a player was knocked unconscious. Uh, and in taking him to hospital, there wasn't enough medical staff left at the game to continue playing. Fortunately, that player has now been discharged from hospital. So uh, good news there. Doncaster are now just two points behind Ealing at the top of the standings. So maybe a bit more jeopardy in that league than we were expecting. I'll let you talk about AIL um, and give me an update on all your boys over there. There seems to be a very common theme in the AIL. Clontarf are still unbeaten and they're still on top. Um, and Dublin University sadly are still rock bottom and winless and we'll let you finish things off you with the roundup of the Welsh Premiership. So Clan Dovery are absolutely unstoppable they picked up a very routine win over Aberavon uh, they're now six points clear at the top of the standings with a game in hand Cardiff also got a big win over Merthyr and Swansea beat local rivals Neath which I'm a bit surprised was played this weekend I would have thought it would have been played over Christmas as being that local derby but I, oh well. What about the TV guide then? Yeah, um, we've got a good few games. So the URC is back this again. We've got the top 14 back, the Premiership, we've got the Premiership Women's Rugby back, and we also have Super Cup 
action coming up this weekend. So we'll have all the details of all of those games out on Thursday in our, uh, sorry, out on Friday morning on our mini breakfast pod show. But I think that that's pretty much us. Uh, massive thanks to, to Harley for, for jumping on. Been a great guest and we'll, we'll uh, hope to have you back someday. Uh, but really appreciate you jumping on. Thank you for having Okay. Thanks so very much everybody for listening. We're going to take a break of a couple of weeks over Christmas. Uh, we'll be with you on the Friday breakfast show in the mini pod this Friday. But if you don't listen to that, listen to it. But if you can't for some reason, um, happy Christmas and have a great new year. Cheers. Thanks, folks. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.